Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. Welcome, Matt. It's always a treat when one of our deacon candidates joins us. Well, thanks, Karen. Um, it's a pleasure to be here today. Can we start with you telling us about your family, you know, your wife, your children, maybe which parish you attend, and everything about Matt? Okay. Matt, in 30 seconds or less. Uh, we belong to St. Michael's Parish in Hermosa. My wife, Lenora, we have five children. The oldest one, Sydney, is uh, 26. She lives down in Omaha, married one grandchild right now, and she's a focus minister. So she's been doing that for several years now. We have a son. He's 24. He works over in Brookings, uh, just trying to figure out life. So uh, he's doing well, though. And then we have three children at home. Um, Megan is a senior in high school, and Ashlyn is a sophomore in high school, and then Grace, her stragglers, in fourth grade. So that, that kind of makes up the family, and uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about your family of origin. What were your parents like? My parents were, uh, my mom was stoic. My dad was, uh, was more laid back, probably more the jokester of the family, but worked hard to put all seven of us kids through a, through a Catholic education grade school all through high school. So uh, that was very important to them. One thing I, I remember, and we still hold true today for our family, is when we went on vacation, the first thing you did when you were out, out of your home parish is when's Mass on Sunday. That was just what you did. You know, it was it was something that's still ingrained in me today. So uh, religion was, was front and center. It's just something that just kind of you grew up with. And it's just something that still holds true today. After you left your parents' house, did you go to college? Yeah, I went to college. I attended South Dakota State University, got a bachelor's degree in park management. And then uh, Lenore and I got married shortly after that. We met in college, ended up in Michigan, uh, ended up at Michigan State, got a master's degree there in natural resource administration and policy. So, What happened when you were in the, say for instance, you're over there in college, you're on your own, your faith, your parents encouraged you to go to mass every time, even if you guys were on vacation and that carried over through your college years and no. into, no? Okay. <laughs> this is great. No, no. Uh, you know, it was like, you grew up with all these experiences. You grew up with that Catholic education and then you get out on your own and you forget it all. You just, you have all this unfound freedom. I, I'd say my mom was very strict growing up. You had that sense of freedom. I'm four hours away from home up, up in Brookings, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I can go to Mass when I feel like it. And I kind of got into that trend. You go home out of respect for mom and dad. You went to Mass. You know, you just you, you played the part. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm still a good Catholic mom. And then when I got engaged, I'm marrying a Lutheran. It's like, oh, you're marrying a Lutheran. So mom made sure we went through all the preparation to have a blessed marriage and all the preparation through the Catholic Church. And one of the conditions, though, that when Lenore and I were getting married, I said, I don't care where we get married per se, but I said, what are we going to do when we have kids? Because I said, I can't give up my faith. And I still remember her looking at me and kind of laughing and saying, what faith? <laughs> Because I wasn't active at that time. So a year after after being married, uh, Lenore went through RCIA and, and came into the Catholic Church. Probably is that, that strong anchor in our faith for a number of years that re-engaged me, 
But part of that process too is, is we moved around a lot, changing jobs. And I always viewed it as that professional movement, moving up, doing this, taking different jobs. But through the diaconate process, I've also realized now that those job moves were more faith-based than they were professional. And what I mean by that is every time we move, Lenore found a different group of women in her faith community that kept her going, kept her growing in her faith. And she just blossomed. And I made sure it did my role that we were in church every Sunday. The kids were in church. You know, we were there. But beyond that, it was still kind of that lackadaisy. My job was my life. And she kept hanging on to that. And probably, I don't know, 15 years ago now, we were in, in Minnesota and that all changed for me because I came to the conclusion that I was, I was jealous of the relationship she had with Jesus. And it's like, how do I get that? So like a good wife, she sends me on a three-day retreat. <laughs> and uh, in Minnesota, they do what they call koinias. And, uh, and it was a, a fabulous experience. And from there, it's just my faith life re-blossomed. You know, went to confession for the first time in many years. And, and now I'm a, I'm, I'm a true believer of, of, of just this, the spirit and the, and, the, and the forgiveness that comes with reconciliation. So my faith has just continued to blossom and it still does. It's that faith journey that I hadn't recognized that I was even on until, uh, you know, until I started the diaconate process. When did you consider the diaconate? At what point during that faith journey was that put on your heart? To put an actual timeline on it, I'm not sure. It would have been when we were in South Dakota at St. Michael's. And, uh, you know, the thought would come into your mind. And like any thought like that, you just put it out. It's like, uh, why me? You know, it must be this this thing of me. And and then I'd say probably five years ago, maybe right around that time, I, I, I'm not for certain. You ran into different people that knew the engagement I was in with our parish and doing different things. And they would start asking, oh, you should be a deacon. And I'm like you're nuts. And then I remember being at a retreat out at Terra Santa and we were in the chapel and uh, there's a lady there that basically had a handwritten note to me that talked about you're being called to the diaconate. God doesn't equip the equip. He, he equips those that, that need it, you know, something to that effect and all this and that. And then from there, I had another priest that I didn't really know say, oh, are you, are you in the diaconate program? No. I mean, there again. And and there was one time when I asked Father Brian, I said, we we're at, a, at something at Terra Santa. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. He's like, okay. So we sat down. He says, you interested in the diaconate program? I said, no. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm looking for. Well, that planted the seed. And then I talked to Father Brian again with Lenore and said, okay, explain this to me because it keeps coming up. So he got me into, you know, a couple of the inquiry sessions. And from there, it just kind of kept blossoming. I kept praying about it and it kept being said, Yes. And I kept telling the Lord he's, he's calling the wrong person. He kept reassuring me with this yes. And I kept asking and it almost got to the point where I think he started chuckling at me. Like, I've told you this how many times, Matt, have faith, follow the journey, start the process and see where it takes you. So here I sit today, ready to be ordained a deacon, you know, at some point ask the Lord, are you sure? And I basically get that same yes, Matt. I think he thinks I'm more ready than I am, but you know, that's, I think that's part of the process. So I think that's probably normal for my other brothers. And yeah, 
are, are saying the same thing. Yes, we all, yeah, I think if we felt like we were totally ready for this, there'd be a, there's something wrong with that. So that would be an yeah. extraordinary grace that maybe doesn't always present itself in the moment we need it. Right but right. we can see it clearly afterwards. Yes, yes. And that's kind of the faith journey. I, I, you look backwards at things and you just see how things have put, put into place that all makes sense now, but at the time, you kind of took it for granted. What was your family like when you told them you were going to start diaconate formation? My immediate family was very supportive. The kids at home, my wife, very supportive. My parents, I'm not sure they knew what to say. I had some siblings that looked at me like, what? Because they still remember you as a child growing up and the college age and just those types of things. So as I've gone through this journey, it's like they've come along with it too. They see that change in you. What is one thing that you've learned during your diaconate formation that you could really give back to your family or even to your parish right away? I think it's the process of discernment. And it's the discernment of spirits as well as just the discernment of decisions that are coming up, major decisions. And when I say that, from that aspect, it's like that discernment of taking it to God, taking it to prayer, and not just discerning, oh, what should I do? Well, it's more that discernment of, God, what are you asking me to do in this situation? This is beyond me. It's like, we fall down when we try and control it ourselves. When we let our pride come in, in and get in our way, that's when we struggle. But if you can truly discern it through, God, what are you asking me to do here? And wait for that response. And then along with that, understanding Ignatius spirituality of the discernment of spirits and what is truly of God, what is truly of the evil one. Because sometimes it's easy to feel like the evil one is only telling you the bad things. But there's times where the evil one is trying to encourage you to do something that you think is good, but yet is that really what God is asking me to do? And so it's just taking that time and that process and taking it to prayer, and it's not a shotgun reaction. You just don't pull the trigger because, oh, this feels good or this is what I should do. No, where is God in this? And where does he want me to be? rather than where does Matt want, want to go? Right, right. You, your family is very active down in your parish. What are some of the ways that you personally have given back to your parish? Years ago, uh, we had an individual when we were still in the old church. He was the head sacristan. He was the only sacristan. And due to his wife having some health issues, they needed to move to town. So a group of men approached me on my way into church and said, Matt, Earl has to leave. They're moving to Rapid City, and uh, so you need to be the head sacristan now. I'm like, okay. So that was several years ago now, and since that time, I've been able to recruit others because I can't do it alone. And then another large part we got involved in was we started a men's group. That was part of my VSI project. And we've been doing men's group probably for, oh, at least a good five years now. You know, for our small parish down there, we'll get, on average, six guys would show up pretty regularly on Wednesday mornings. We, we start at 6.30 in the morning, 6.30 to 7.30, so I can still get to work. A lot of those guys are retired. But that's been successful. We've been hanging in there as, as a group. We've, we've grown together as a group. And then a few years back, we started adult formation as part of our youth program as well. And so I've been leading adult formation for the last several years and uh, really enjoy that and just kind of act as the facilitator. 
Lenore and I work together on finding what material do we want to cover? What do we think the parishioners are going to appreciate and enjoy? And we work together on that. How has your diaconate formation and the education that you've been receiving impact your men's group and your adult formation in the parish? I think it's, it's really brought it a lot deeper, understanding more, just not the theology of, of our Catholic faith, but just to different rituals, to be able to speak to things at a deeper level and to relate with parishioners when they're not always sure of something, to help guide them on their faith journey and to let them know it's okay to feel the certain way you are, or if you don't know that, or maybe you don't quite understand that, the resources you can point them to. And knowing that I don't know everything, but here's some different things you can, you can read or where to go to look that up and form your own opinion. Kind of like, what is God saying to you in this situation? But here's some resources to help you with that so you don't feel alone or unequipped. Right. You hand them the truths of the Catholic faith and then give them that invitation to make it their own, to yeah. investigate it. Yes, definitely. And, and, and it's an invitation. And, and that's a good point because that's how the Memphis group started was through an invite. You, you invite people in. We invite people into adult formation. Everyone is encouraged to stay. But I've learned that you can't force it. It's all on their own time, their own journey. And it's kind of like me. If somebody would have tried pushing me years ago, I would have pushed back. So it's just that simple invitation of you're welcome. This is what we're talking about. Join us. And if you don't like it, that's okay. No pressure. Yeah. But just give it a shot. See how it goes for you. So your background growing up in college, even those years moving around, taking job promotions, that gives you a unique perspective on the faith, on the importance of our faith and, and making it our own. There's a lot of men out there who are probably in those same shoes thinking that they're not qualified, they're not even good enough for the diaconate. What advice would you give them as they're questioning, hey, if he can do it, maybe I'm called to? Take it to prayer. Find a good spiritual director, somebody that can help guide you through what's going on, those feelings, those emotions to help you discern what is truly coming from God, what is not, and what are those inner feelings that are just yours? And do they line up? Do they match? If you truly take it to prayer, those answers come. You're going to find that inner peace and you're going to say, yeah, this is what God's calling me to do. No, God doesn't expect me to go that direction right now and be at peace with that. I, I feel like if you're, if you're truly called through the diaconate, it comes out in other forms. It will come out in other people. It will come out in others' actions. There's a yearning that you won't be able to fulfill in another way. And for me, I was so at unrest when I was doing these job moves because everything was so career-focused. And I come to find out that the yearning and what I was looking for and searching for was my faith. It was Christ. It wasn't being fulfilled by the secular world. It was being filled by attending mass, taking part in it, growing in my faith, getting my hands on material that I could read. And to understand more, this is what I'm being called back to my faith, not even being called to the diaconate at that time, but it was like there was more to life than just a job. And God will provide regardless. I mean, he will provide you. Your story is also filled with a lot of powerful invitations to the diaconate from other people. 
I think that is also an important aspect of your journey that God did put those little promptings there in the form of other people asking you to consider it. And even if you did say no the first handful of times, <laughs> you eventually said yes. You answered the call that he put on your heart and, and that others could see even if you couldn't see it in yourself. Thank you so much, Matt, for sharing your faith journey with us and for all of that wisdom as you approach your ordination to the diaconate. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate it. This is Deacon Greg Sass, Director of the Permanent Diaconate and Diaconate Formation. The diocese has been blessed to have seven men called to orders by Bishop Peter Muich, six as permanent deacons, and one as a transitional deacon for the Diocese of Rapid City. Their ordination is scheduled for 5.30 p.m. Thursday, June 29, 2023, at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Health in Rapid City. All are invited to attend the ordination. For more information, visit rapidcitydiocese.org, read the diocese newspaper, West River Catholic, or your parish's bulletin. For more information about the permanent diaconate in the Diocese of Rapid City, contact me at the Chancery, 605-343-3541.